Amen. I appreciate the opportunity again to be here. I've thoroughly enjoyed it as always. Appreciate the good singing from the Lindsay family. Preacher, would it be okay for the invitation for them to sing, bring it all to him again? Would that be all right with you? I'd sure love that. That'd go great with the Lord's laid on my heart. Appreciate my son, Caleb, getting to come with me this time. Love having him as a traveling companion. He has been a great friend and son both. I sure do love him, and I love the Lord above all else. Oh, God, God's just been so good to me, I, I can't even express how thankful I am to him. Begin to open your Bible to Genesis 4. While you're turning there, let me just do one thing. I was standing on the banks of a river Looking out over life's troubled sea When I saw an old ship that was sailing Is that the old ship of Zion I see Its hull was bent and battered From the storms of life I could see through it all, that old ship kept on sailing. Is that the old ship of Zion I see? At the stern of the ship was the captain. I could hear as he called out my name. Get on board, tis the old ship of Zion. It will never pass this way again. As I step on board, I'll be leaving all my troubles and trials behind. I'll be safe with Jesus the captain. Sailing out on the old ship of Zion. Oh, God's good, isn't he? Genesis chapter 4. Genesis 4, if you don't mind, let's stay in real quickly out of reverence and respect for reading God's word. Don't have a long text, so if you'd stand with me for a second, I'd appreciate it. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. And Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord, and Abel he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. 
And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shalt thou be in the earth. Lord God, I pray you'd bless the reading of your word. Help me as I preach it, God. I pray that you'd empty me of self and selfish desire, dear Lord. Fill me with the Holy Ghost of God. May I give the words that you have and be wholly anonymous in the process. And Lord, for everything you do, I will give you the praise and the glory for you alone are worthy. These things I pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Let me say right off the bat, I have no trouble believing anything the Bible says, especially what you see in the first few chapters of Scripture, since they just happen to be foundational for everything else in Scripture. When God tells me that he made this world and all that is therein in six literal 24-hour days, I have no problem believing that whatsoever. That's exactly what happened. I have no problem believing that a sovereign, holy, omnipotent God can make man out of the dust of the ground and make woman out of the rib of man. I have no problem believing that's exactly what he said that he did and that's exactly what he did. I have no problem believing the account of the, the devil using the body of a serpent and tempting mankind to fall into sin and Eve taking the forbidden fruit and then Adam willingly doing so thereafter. I have no problem believing any of that. All of that is true. All of that's in Scripture. But everything that follows that is in Scripture as well. And the aftermath, the fallout from all that, if you will, is found in the account that we've just read in Genesis chapter 4. Now, it is interesting that we still have a phrase in the English language that is drawn straight from Genesis chapter 4, and that is the phrase, raising Cain. I have got three children, a son and two daughters. And when I was hearing yesterday the story of the spray painting of the, 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 new, the new, new piece of equipment, I, I was thinking, yep, sounds familiar. Well, my, my son, when I bought my last truck, decided it needed spray painting for some reason. I, I don't understand that. But when I found out my, my truck had been spray painted, you know, I, I, it never occurred to me to say, that boy's raising Caleb. It did occur to me to say, that boy's raising Cain. He went out and shot the well pump with, the, uh, with, a, with a, uh, a paint gun. We got 5,000 trees around our house, and, and now my well pump looks like it's got measles. <laughs> and never did it occur to me to say, that boy's raising Caleb. It did make me think he's raising Cain. My, 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 my daughter, my oldest daughter, Karis, the, the good child, my, my oldest daughter d decided she was going to be an Indian princess. We just moved into our house a few years ago, and we've got all these trees she could shoot her arrow at, Brother Bailey, and for whatever reason, I come home and there's an arrow sticking out of the side of my house. <laughs> and I said to my daughter, what meanest thou this? She said, I was just target practicing. I said, honey, it's Pocahontas, not Pocaholi in the house here. But it never did occur to me to say, she's raising Karis. It did occur to me to think she was raising Cain. Cain is the measuring stick for 
a problem child. He's the measuring stick for wickedness and abominations in the early chapter of Scripture. As, as, as a matter of fact, if you study all of Scripture, the only person that even compares to him for wickedness is perhaps Judas Iscariot himself. Cain is a horrible individual. But Genesis chapter 4 doesn't just have things to teach us about Cain. Through Cain, it has some things to teach us about the good God that we serve. And I was to work our way through this passage, looking first of all at Cain and then showing you something about God as we draw towards the end of it. And it's my hope to be an encouragement and a help to you this afternoon. Notice first of all, a baseline of evil. Now by that I mean, I want to look at the text and find out exactly how bad Cain was because we're going to use that as a baseline against which to compare some other things later. As you study the account of Cain in Genesis 4, notice first of all that Cain was disrespectful in his offering. Genesis 4, 3 and 4 says, and in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord and Abel he also brought of the, notice this word, firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof, notice that word, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. Now you know that this family had been barred from the Garden of Eden before this time. Once they committed their sin in mercy, God said, lest they should live forever in their sin by taking of the fruit of the tree of life, I will bar them from that. And God cast them out of paradise, puts those seraphims there with the flaming swords, turning every which way, not letting them back in, but they had started their life in the paradise of God. More than that, they had not just started their life in the paradise of God, they had started their life with the very first thing they ever saw being the face of God. Can you imagine opening your eyes as a full grown adult with full knowledge and the first thing you ever see is the very face of God. Adam and Eve had walked and talked with God face to face. They knew how glorious he was. They saw the glory of the creation. They no doubt communicated all of this to their boys. Abel clearly understood all this. So when it came time for an offering, Abel not only brings the right type of an offering, but he brings the right quality of an offering. He brings the firstlings. He brings the fat. He brings the very best that he has got. But Cain, having the exact same access to the exact same information, serving the exact same God, knowing the exact same creator. Cain doesn't bring even the right type of offering, but he doesn't bring the right quality of offering. He just brings whatever he has left over. He brings the scraps that he feels like he can do without. Can you imagine your parents being hand-formed by God and your world being hand-formed by God? You know all this, and yet when it comes time for an offering, you bring just whatever you have left over. Now, can we agree just based on this one fact that Cain was an evil person? Is that a fair statement? But Cain was also dangerous in his temperament. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, But unto Cain and to his offering, he, God, had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Now, this verse tells us that God did not have respect for Cain's disrespectful offering. And it makes it very clear that Cain understood that God did not respect his offering it's interesting to try to wrap your mind around exactly what that means. How exactly did Cain know that God did not have respect for his offering? Well, the definition of the word itself is a surprising eye-opener. The word is the word sha'ah. It means to look toward and to gaze on. 
Here's the word picture that's developing. It says that God did not respect, did not look toward or gaze on Cain's offering. It seems very much like after the family was cast out of the Garden of Eden, God was still in the habit from time to time of coming down and walking and talking with them, seeing what was going on in their lives. Now if that is indeed the case, it seems that there came a day when it was offering time and God came down to walk among them and see the offerings that they had prepared. He looks over at Abel's sacrifice and he gazes on it with love and admiration. It's almost like he can't stop looking at it because Abel has offered the first slings. He's offered the fat. He's offered the best that he has. But then he turns and he goes to Cain's offering and as soon as he sees it, he just turns away. It's as if he's saying, I can't even really stand to look at that very much because that is clearly inappropriate for my glory. Now, Cain realizes immediately that his offering's not good enough. Now, the emotions, if it were you or I, the emotions that should be coursing through us at that time, if we're the ones that's offered such a disrespectful offering, and if God has come down to look at it, and if he looks at it and immediately turns away, and there's a crestfallen look on his face, the emotions that ought to be coursing through us is shame and embarrassment. We ought to feel pretty bad right now. But that's not the emotion that is now coursing through Cain. When Cain offers that disrespectful offering and God comes down and shows his disapproval of it and Cain knows that he's done wrong rather than being shamed, rather than being embarrassed, Cain is furiously angry. God, how dare you not accept my offering? Can we agree that Cain is a wicked, horrible individual? Cain is disrespectful in his offering. He's dangerous in his temperament. Notice number three, Cain was disobedient even when God corrected him verbally. Look at verse six and seven. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth? And why is thy countenance fallen? If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted. And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. Now these two verses mark one of the most amazing occurrences in Scripture. Cain had displeased God. He'd offered a disrespectful offering. God had come down. He had looked at it and immediately turned away. He had then told Cain, listen, you've got no reason to be angry over this. If you'll just do right, if you'll bring the right type and the right quality of offering, that's all you'll have to do. I got a question. Have you ever gotten to those confusing times in your life where you just wished God would audibly speak to you. You ever had those times you said, God, I'm lost here. I I can't figure this out. I I mean, I've looked in the Word and I can't figure it out yet. And Lord, I've been praying and so far I can't figure it out. And I've asked counsel and so far I can't figure it out. And Lord, Lord, I just wish you'd just speak from heaven. And if you told me, God, I'd just do it. You ever been there? Listen to me. God did speak to Cain. If Cain has any doubt of what's wrong, if Cain has any doubt of how to make it right, there's no more doubt. There's no more confusion. God told him how to make it right. And in the face of God telling him how to make it right, he refuses to make it right. Can we agree that Cain's an evil person? Notice number four, Cain was destructive to the one that he should have loved the most. Verse eight. And Cain talked with Abel his brother and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. 
Now the text very strongly implies this was not just some ordinary random conversation they were having. Seems they were in fact having a conversation about this very issue. The fact that Abel's offering was accepted and Cain's wasn't. Now the truth of the matter is this wasn't an issue between Cain and Abel. This was an issue between Cain and God. But Cain is angry with Abel now because Abel's done right. Abel's been blessed. He's done wrong. He has not been blessed. So he's angry with Abel and he murders his brother in cold blood. I can't think of anything more evil, more awful, more heinous than murdering a family member in cold blood. A lady in my church came to me a couple years ago. She said, Preacher, a friend of mine is in jail. She's been getting your newspaper columns and she wanted to know if she could write you back and forth sometime. I said, absolutely. I write to all kinds of prisoners. love trying to be a blessing and a help to them. And she started corresponding and my wife and I would write back and forth to her. And I got curious about the lady. And I said, Dana, would you, you please look her up? Because she's talking about maybe getting paroled in the next year or so. And she's wanting to come to church. And man, I'd love to be a help to her. But I'd just like to know a little bit about her. And Dana looked her up and she came back in a few minutes and she said, you're not going to believe this. So what do you mean? She said, you remember that famous news story from the 70s where a mother killed her own two children in cold blood, her two babies? That's the woman we're writing to. Now listen to me real carefully. Well, the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse even that sin. But I cannot think of anything more heinous than murdering somebody that you ought to love, killing them in cold blood, and that kind of thing just sort of hangs with you. And Cain has murdered his own brother. Can we agree that Cain is an evil person? How brokenhearted was Eve going to be when she realized her baby boy was gone? How brokenhearted was Adam going to be when he realized he lost one son to death and another to sin? Cain is a horrible person. Are we on board with that? But notice also that Cain was deceitful to God himself. Verse 9. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? God speaks to Cain. He asks him a very plain question. Where's your brother? You can't misunderstand that. Where's your brother? He says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? And I want you to get this. God has asked him a direct question and he has point blank lied to God. Can we agree that Cain's a horrible person? By any baseline, he's a horrible person. He's disrespectful in his offering, dangerous in his temperament, disobedient when God corrected him verbally, destructive to the one he should have loved the most, and deceitful to God. This is our baseline of evil that we're working with. Notice number two, though, a banishment leveled. Look at verse 10 through 12. And he, God, said... What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. And now art thou cursed from the earth, which hath opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from the ground. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A fugitive and a vagabond shall thou be in the earth. After Cain lied to God, dawned on him very quickly that he was not going to get away with it. God immediately said, what in the world have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. Cain, you murdered your brother. Then he didn't give Cain a chance to speak because God wasn't done yet. He began immediately to level judgment on Cain for what he had done. Notice the specifics of the judgment that he dropped on Cain. First of all, Cain was cursed 
from the earth, as verse 11 says. That phrase goes along with the first verse, of the first phrase of verse 12, which says, When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. In other words, as the Bible says, Cain was a tiller of the ground, but from that day forward, he was not going to be successful at it. It was all he knew how to do, but the earth was going to rebel and bow up against him for what he'd done. That has another aspect though. As Cain himself observed in verse 14, God had driven him out from the face of the earth. That means he would not be allowed in the inhabited places where his family, brothers and sisters were growing. He was going to be cast out from known society. But not only was he cursed from the earth, he would find in verse 12, he would be a fugitive. That means he would be forever in unfamiliar areas having to make his own way and always having to look over his shoulder because some Somebody was coming after him to take vengeance on him and to take his life like he'd taken his brother's life. Then we find he would also be a vagabond, verse 12 says. That word means shaky and uncertain. Even as a man who later built a city, Cain's life never did have any really solid grounding to it. We say, oh, that's such a horrible thing. No, listen to me very carefully. Everything that God did specifically fit with what Cain had done. Every bit of this punishment is exactly what was just and holy from God. He is cursed from the earth. Well, he's brought an an unacceptable offering from the earth. This is exactly what it ought to be like. He's a fugitive. He's killed somebody, so somebody's going to be coming after him. That's exactly what it ought to be like. He's a vagabond. He's shaking uncertain. Well, he's made everybody else's life shaking uncertain. Can we agree that Cain's an evil person? Can we agree that God is and always will be holy and just and perfect in every judgment? It amazes me how often people think God has been unfair and unjust when if you look at things, God is always exactly what he ought to be. There's a young man that grew up in my youth group. To say that he is hard-headed would be the understatement of the millennium. Everything I ever said, he went the exact opposite way. If I read a verse, he found the way to do it the exact opposite way. The verse, I've never found anybody that is successfully defied and disobeyed everything everybody said as this guy did. He could not do right. He was bound to do wrong. Because of that, he has created quite the life for himself. He is, he's had so many different kids by so many different women that as he's walking downtown, random children are going, hey, Dad, hey, Dad, hey, Dad. Hey, listen, he, horrible life. There are women everywhere taking him to court. He's never going to have a dime in his life. There are people looking to beat him up everywhere that he goes, man. He's got all kinds of physical problems in his body. I went to see him in the hospital a few years ago, and from his hospital bed, he said, preacher, my life's just so hard. Why is God being so hard on me? I said, because you're stupid. I did. I've been pastoring too long to put up with that stuff. I said, because you're stupid. I said, everything the Bible says, you go the opposite way. Everything God says, you defy. Everything I say, you won't listen. You're just stupid. You're getting exactly what you deserve. Listen to me, God. God is perfect in everything he ever does. So we see a baseline of evil. Cain is horribly, miserably evil. We see abandonment leveled. God in his holiness and justice is giving Cain exactly what he deserves. But the story doesn't end there. I want you to see number three, a blessing on the broken. Look in verse 13 through 15 with me if you would please. And Cain said unto the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. 
Behold, thou hast driven me out this day from the face of the earth, and from thy face shall I be hid. And I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond in the earth. And it shall come to pass that everyone that findeth me shall slay me. And the Lord said unto him, Therefore, whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord said, Mark upon Cain, lest any finding him should kill him. Now, it does not escape my notice that Cain never did apologize for what he did. Not only does that not undermine what I'm about to say, it actually goes along with what I'm about to say. For now, let's just look at what we have here. Cain has absolutely done wrong. I mean, he's been disrespectful in his offering. He has been disobedient in the face of God. He has been dangerous in his temperament. He has killed his own brother. Everything he can do wrong, he has done wrong. God has in righteousness leveled exactly the judgment that he deserves and now Cain broken by the weight of judgment says, God, I cannot bear it. My punishment is greater, heavier than I can possibly bear. Cain's looking up at God and he's saying, God, it's just too heavy for me now. If I were God and you were God, I have a Pretty good hunch what would come next. Oh, too heavy for you, is it? Can't bear it, can you? You think maybe you should have thought of that before you murdered your brother? How do you think your mother's gonna feel? You think maybe it's too heavy for her that her baby boy's dead? How's your daddy gonna feel? You think maybe it's too much for him to bear that he's lost one son to death and another one to sin? Don't you dare look me in the eyeball and tell me it's too heavy for you to bear. You should have thought of that before you did what you did. That's how I'd act. Just just, just had nature, that's how I'd act. But God didn't act that way. How would you get this? Cain is unbelievably wicked. He hadn't even apologized for what he's done. He just says, God, I can't bear it. God, you've leveled this, 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 this against me. And God says, Cain says it's too heavy to bear. Says he can't carry it. So I'm going to reach down for a part of it. That part where everybody was going to be seeking his life, I'm going to take that off of him. I'm going to put a mark on Cain, not a judgment mark, a mercy mark. I'm going to put a mark on Cain. And that mark's going to be a neon sign saying, hands off, hands off, hands off. Nobody touches him. I'm going to take Cain's greatest fear, his greatest weight. I'm not taking everything off of him. He deserves to be judged. He's going to be judged. But I'm going to take that which is the most heavy to him, the most frightening to him. I'm going to lift that off for no other reason than just the fact that he asked. Now listen to me real carefully. Cain is as wicked as the devil himself. And when Cain comes to God and says, it's more than I can bear, God says, and I'm going to take part of that off of you. And therefore, how much more can we, children of God, born by the blood of the Lamb, go before our Heavenly Father and say, Lord, I'm under it again. God is too heavy. I can't handle this financial trouble. I can't handle this health trouble. I can't handle this church trouble. I can't handle this family trouble. God is too heavy. And God says, I'm going to take some of that. Listen to me real carefully. 
I have known God for a very long time now. And I have never one time known him not to take a bit of the load off when I went before him. I find in the scripture everywhere. Psalm 55, 22, cast thy burden on the Lord and he shall sustain thee. Deuteronomy 33, 27, the eternal God is our refuge and underneath are the everlasting arms. Psalm 18, 2, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler, the horn of my salvation, my high tower. Listen, when Peter denied the the Lord three times. He couldn't bear the weight of his failure. The next thing you know the Lord's meeting him by the Sea of Galilee saying, Peter, do you love me? A little while later he's preaching on the day of Pentecost and all these souls are getting saved. I have never known God to refuse to lighten the load of his children. But the devil says, the devil says, you have no right to come to God and ask that. You're getting what you deserve. Just suffer in silence. You're getting what you, I got news for you. God didn't lighten Cain's load because Cain was good. God lightened Cain's load because God's good. He doesn't lighten our load because we're good. He lightens our load because he's good. Listen, we're nowhere near as bad as Cain, but even so, it's still not about our goodness. It's about his goodness. Everybody I know about it's going through, I mean, some weights and some trials. Some heavier than others, but I don't remember that I've seen a time where more people seem to be burdened down and in need of going before the Lord and saying, God, I can't quite carry it. A family in our church, father, mother, three siblings, their, their children, their, their spouses. The dad had been a preacher for many years. He got Alzheimer's. It was starting to go downhill fast. I told the boys, I said, your dad's a big outdoorman. We need to take him on one more trip before he completely forgets everything. His son, Big Ben, is my weightlifting buddy. Ben has got muscles that science has not yet even identified. He's a huge, huge, huge man. We went out there hiking in the wilderness in the deep gap area of North Carolina on Mount Mitchell. We'd only gotten a mile in. And the dad, Brother Wayne, was going, <gasps> I thought he's going to die. I said, boys, we've got to stop. Your dad's going to have a heart attack. So he stopped, took a break. Big Ben went over to his dad and said, Daddy, let me see your pack. This big old monster reached for the pack and went, What do you have in here? And he opened it up and started pulling out frozen Gatorades. 24 of them. He had an iceberg in there. He said, Daddy, what are you doing 24 frozen Gatorades? He said, I just thought we might need them. He said, give me that. He took those Gatorades, started stuffing them in his pack. And that monster grabbed that pack, threw it up on his huge shoulders, said, all right, Load up, let's go. Start doing this number. His daddy picked up his nearly empty pack, threw it on his shoulder. God spoke to my heart, said, Son, I'll do it for you too. I'll do it for you too. I don't know what you're going through, but I know this God helping you. It isn't even dependent on your goodness. 
please don't misunderstand me. You ought to live holy. You ought to live right. You ought to be fearful of the chastening hand of God. But I'm telling you, when you go before God and say, God, I can't bear it. He doesn't check to see if you're good enough to lighten the load. He just does the same thing he did for Cain. He just says, I'll take part of that. If he's the God who lightened Cain's load, he's the God who lightened your load. Lady in our church, plan on growing old with her husband and staying with them till the day they died and their old age and retiring together, all that stuff. When he was in his mid-50s, somebody rear-ended him. The truck exploded. He died in a flame of fire. This family was precious, faithful to us, faithful to the Lord. My wife and I held her there in the emergency room. She said, Preacher, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I said, Sis, I don't know. All I know is one day at a time, one breath at a time, one step at a time. And one day at a time, one breath at a time, one step at a time, God began to pour grace into her heart. And the smile very slowly started to come back. And the joy started to come back. And now she's got a parcel of grandkids all around her that her own kids have been having. And God's given her a reason to live again. And the burden's been lifted off. Another family in our church had been raising special needs child for about three years planning to adopt him. They'd said he'll never walk, he'll never talk. They taught him how to walk, they taught him how to talk. A crazy person made an accusation against him, her mother of all people, said that they were beating the child, they weren't. DSS came and took that child from them that she'd poured her life into 24 hours a day. We hired a lawyer to help him go fight this, but we knew that they never lose, they get to do what they want to do. But on the way up to court for the final hearing, Miss Elaine happened to mention, you know, um, there's a chance that maybe, and my wife caught it, and she went, no. They'd been married for about 12 years, couldn't have any kids. Miss Dana said, CVS, pull in. And I whipped it in, yes, ma'am. Her and Miss Elaine went in there for about 15 minutes, came back out, and they were grinning from ear to ear on the way to court to find out that they weren't going to get their baby back. They found out God was giving them a baby. God just reached down, grabbed the load and lifted it. Sometimes God's going to lighten the load just by pouring enough grace into your heart to keep on going. Sometimes he'll lighten the load by changing your circumstances. But one way or the other, we've got a God that's so good that just based on his goodness, when you say, God, it's too heavy, he says, I understand, let me take that. Let's all stand, would you stand please, but heads about eyes are closed, y'all, we'll just sing that. I don't know what burdens you have, what need of your heart, but if you need some of that load lightened, won't you just come and ask? Go ahead and sing, y'all. Just come on and ask. God's not gonna say no. When trouble's he said yes for Cain. Again.